Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. Barbara Streisand. Hi everyone and welcome to Querying the Air on 3CR. You're listening on 855 AM or 3cr.org.au. We've got a very exciting show for you today, but firstly we'd like to kick off as always by acknowledging that 3CR broadcasts from land stolen from the Wurundjeri people and pay our respects to elders past and present. My name is Jessie and I'm in the studio today with the lovely Nikki. Hello. And Luke. Hey, great to be here. Thanks for having me. <laughs> we just heard Barbara Streisand dance classic by Duck Sauce. Duck Sauce. What a band. Any other hits? Let's Turns out name there them. was another song. Not a hit, though. Oh. Um, and the okay. reason we heard Barbara Streisand is because today we're talking all about queer icons, both gay and straight. And other yeah and also we last night got to go and see buyer and seller which is the wonderful new one man play at the mtc starring ash flanders all about the incredible barbara streisand that's right nikki and i went along to see buyer and seller with ash flanders who i would argue is a gay icon in and of himself. Well, if you're listening, Ash, I mean, <laughs> that one was for free. That's to you. Yeah. <laughs> From us to you, yeah. Ash. Come on the show anytime. Yeah. Um, and it was terrific. So it's an account, it's a fictional account of somebody who works in Barbara Streisand's real life basement shopping centre that she has in her house. Of course. So, um, Luke, I don't know if you, Luke studied architecture, sure, but I'm not yeah. sure if you ever read Barbara Streisand's My Passion for Design. I haven't yet. It wasn't a text at uni. I'm yeah, shocked. I can't believe it. <laughs> Required reading. Yeah. First year. But it's huge. It's this tome of a coffee table book and uh, one chapter is devoted to her underground shopping centre that she uh, stores all of her costumes and her antiques and all the things she can't fit in the main house in. Wow, and okay. um, she has it fit out like a department store. Uh, with and, staff? Or? Well, not with staff in real life. But that we know of. Like, that we, who's yeah, that verifying we this? That's true. Are they just trapped down? Mm, I got <laughs> yeah. questions. <Okay. laughs> they could be. They could be for all we know. She wasn't um, forthcoming about the stuff in her book, but Barbara is notoriously private and litigious and sued people for taking paparazzi photos of her house before releasing My Passion for Design, I think. Mm. So you never know. There could be people trapped down yeah. there. I wouldn't Food be surprised. Um, but this is a fictional account of a, a staff member who uh, works in. It's a one-man show with Ash Flanders, and he plays a bunch of characters, including Barbara Streisand. Yeah. Um, and uh, him, I've forgotten the name of the person, actually, who works Alex? in there. Alex? Alex Moore. That's yeah. right. Alex Moore, who works in the basement, and Alex's uh, boyfriend, among other characters. Mm. Did you like it, Nikki? Oh, I loved it. I really just loved it so much. I can't emphasize enough. We highly recommend it. Now, should I pretend that I also have seen this play? No, or? you okay, shouldn't. Good. You should. Okay. Okay, Don't yeah. faint. Yeah, right, I mean, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I, 
I love Barbara, I think, for what she represents, but I have never seen, you know, um, Yentl or is it Funny Face? Funny Face. Yeah, I'm not, you know, I'm not well-versed in her oeuvre, um, but mm. I loved it. It was just, it was so good. I don't think you need to be, like, a huge Barbara fan. No. Although I'm sure that more of the references, you'll get more of the references if you are. That's right. I'm not a huge Babs fan either, although I do love what she represents. Yeah. And, um... And it is really thick with references, this show, which I actually really liked. At first I found it a little bit exclusionary, although if there ever was like a 20-something lesbian who was going to be into this show, it was me because there were so many references to the musical Gypsy, which is my favourite musical. So I truly had a great time. Um, but a lot of the Barbara Streisand references I didn't get. But mm. And so at first I found that a little exclusionary and I was like, eh, a lot of these have passed me by. But I also really appreciated that it was a very, very gay male-oriented uh, show that was for a gay male audience. What was the demographic of the audience? Good question. It was, I found, I was surprised because I had expected to see more of us, um, I guess. <laughs> but it was, it looked just like a regular arts centre audience sure. in that I'd say the median age would have been in their 60s and sort of dressed a little nicer for the theatre. Not crazy. Like they were dressed like they go to the theatre regularly. Like this cashmere is, and muted tones? Yes. Is so many mutants. Just a real wearing? muted palette. No. No. Well, you can actually see what I wore to the theatre last <laughs> night here in studio now. Um, so, no, it's I wouldn't say it was... a great ensemble, I have <laughs> to say. Well, thank you. Um, but, yeah, so, so, yeah, I would agree, though. I think that the audience was, I felt, unexpected given the content, but everyone seemed to be loving it. Everybody did um, really love it. Because I think also, as well as just being so unashamedly, like, a celebration of just, like, gay life and, and love and, you know, the queer icon that is Barbara Streisand, I felt like it was such a good, like, character portray. like, the character of Barbara that was created was so, like, nuanced and evocative. I was like, I believe that this is what she's like and, like, that all of this is true. Well, it was really, I mean, Ash did an amazing job. Like, really, really <laughs> good, Barbara Streisand. And, and the play starts off with... Um, an admission that he's not going to do a Barbra Streisand impersonation because, like, pff, it's very gauche. Like, <laughs> you know, everybody has a Barbra Streisand impersonation. And so he's not going to do it. But then he, like, creates his character of Barbra Streisand, who is so much more appealing than the real Barbara yeah. and is really funny and great. Um, not to say that I don't love regular Yeah, I hope she's regular not listening. God. Oh, my God. <laughs> if you're listening, Babs. Yeah. <laughs> but um, I made this morning I made Nikki watch... Uh, Barbara Streisand and Celine Dion's duet Tell Him, which yeah. is really great and I really recommend it to anybody listening out there if they want a lot of like soft focus, like beige and grey oh, wools and like an excess of flowers in a recording studio. Yeah. It's really, really good. There's just like a lot of hairspray. I, it's very <laughs> manicured. Like also they're manicures. I, after watching the play, I couldn't help but like check for the nails, like, because he does this really wonderful description of Barbara Streisand's like nails and how like they just define her and that she's not, she never does anything really with her hands. She has people do things for her. And so, yeah, watching that and watching her clutch the headphones to her head, <laughs> I really was like, those nails. Though. We got to do more of that, I think. Yeah. No, no, no. Why don't we do that in the studio? We could take some promotional shots. Of yeah. Us, with like, us have, flipping the <laughs> headphones upside that, though, down yeah. so that they don't mess our blow waves and yeah. everything. Beautiful. Beautiful. Yeah. Just a lot of like palling around the studio. But yeah, that was really 
really, really good. And I think that, um, yeah, it really inspired today's show, which is all about just inspirational icons. That's right. Yeah. Today we're going to be talking about uh, the wonderful people who um, have huge uh, queer followings and trying to unpack maybe why they have such big queer followings. Mm. So with Babs, I don't really know. Why Why are gay guys so into Barbara Streisand? Do we know? Luke I don't know. I'm feeling eyes on me. but I, <laughs> I don't know. What do you think? Well... I don't well they talk a lot in the play about her um she's really defined herself as a sort of victim character who was unloved by her mother and had a lonely childhood and sought solace in the arts and sought to escape her upbringing which I think is a really common narrative in a lot of these iconic women that have captured sort of like white middle class gay male imagination in the last 50 years like um you know, like with Liza and Judy as well. Mm. Um, oh, like hardship followed yeah. by yeah, kind of ostentatious success. Yeah, exactly. Like this, this uh, a sort of a vulnerability matched with like true luxury. <laughs> yeah, I think that like that idea of um, suffering and like, you know, that just like us, like they've gone through some hardship, but they do it just so well and they make it look so good and they just like, mm. they're fabulous and they're strong and they're just like, you know, they've been through some shit and they're just like, but they're there and they're doing it and they're like incredibly talented. Mm. I think it's the personality. I think that they got it together. Yeah. Kind of. Cause like, I think that like why buyer and seller really appealed to me and Babs and all that, you know, I haven't seen a lot of her work, but I think it's it's what she represents and the personality and just being like so strong and as you say, so litigious and like the character that Ash Flanders or that the playwright had created was just like she really liked things a certain way and she wanted them her way and she like worked really hard and she wanted things done just perfectly and she didn't understand why other people didn't feel the same way and yeah, I think that it's like like that strength and like yeah. Yeah. The, the character more necessarily than yeah. You know. And also the showmanship. I mean, the dresses and the oh, makeup and the hair. And, and the set design in this play was yeah. amazing. Good really set beautiful set design in this play. So I highly recommend it. Just going. I remember sitting down and saying, like, these salmon and beige tones are very comforting to me. I love this sunken lounge. I love oh, this. Oh, yeah, like, you love a sunken lounge. I love Spiral a sunken staircase. lounge. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah but I, I, think, I think it's just something that's quite common to a lot of uh, – queer icons is uh, this idea of um, overcoming hardship and surpassing it and sort of and all the best the best of those great um, female singers all have that sort of like just on the verge of losing control <laughs> thing and one great example of that is um, Bernadette Peters performance in Gypsy which as I mentioned before was my favourite musical <laughs> um, and so we're going to um, listen to Everything's Coming Up Roses which I think is the name of the song but this is Bernadette Peters performance as Mama Rose from the Tonys a few years ago Sister Hop, 
Panoply, Panorama, Panpipe, Pansy, Aha, Pansexual, Knowing No Boundaries of Sex or Gender. Sound interesting? Then join Sally on Sundays at noon for Out of the Pan. All those gender questions making you think too hard? Whether it's transgender, bisexual, polyamorous or beyond, we'll throw those questions into the pan and cook up the answers for you. So go on, push that gender envelope only on 3CR 855 AM digital and 3cr.org.au. Why Gender is a group for trans and genderqueer questioning young people and friends. Why Gender runs social events and have monthly meetings in the city. Check us out on Facebook or see ygender.com for more info. Ygender.com. You're listening to 3CR Radio. Clang, clang, clang with the trolley. Hello and welcome back to Queering the Air on 3CR. You just heard Rufus Wainwright doing uh, the trolley song, originally performed by Judy Garland, and before that, Bernadette Peters singing uh, the playing the role of Mama Rose from Gypsy. And the reason that you heard those two fabulous songs is because today we're talking all about fabulous queer icons. I'm in the studio with two of my queer icons. Oh, <laughs> you get out of here. Gosh. Uh, Nikki and Luke, thanks so much for being here. Thanks for having us. I always love it. Well, yeah, Nikki, like, like, yeah. you are. Sorry, I spoke for you, Aisha. Yeah, it's okay. <laughs> the royal we yeah. enjoys it. Um. We just heard from a couple of, I suppose, old world queer icons, really classic. um, Well, Bernadette Peters is still alive, but Mama Rose, I'm going to say, is a queer Mm. icon in and of herself. Mm. Um, Who are some other old world queer icons? Um, Well, you've got the, well, I don't know. Would you say Rock Hudson? I mean, he's now. Yeah, I think so. I reckon. Um, Lana Turner, I think, was another one that fit into that Judy Garland sort of tragic, yeah. sort of oh, Hollywood yeah, yeah. glamorous woman. Yeah. I think, yeah, a lot of the sort of older ones are tragic in some way. They, there is always that mix of tragedy. I think because part of their appeal is the fact that these people often have very difficult lives and they overcome uh, some demons to become super famous and successful. Mm. But obviously those demons endured throughout their lives. So unfortunately, many of them passed away too young or had really difficult circumstances. Um, But so we've talked a lot about, I guess, female queer icons. Yes. And then there's Rock Hudson and Liberace, I guess we would say as well. I would say so. I actually... I actually Wikipedia'd this before I went in because I was like, can I think of a list of old world people? I mean, I know that sometimes we talk about me being Gen B, but I feel like truly my like <laughs> Gen old BC. world, yeah, my like haze code era knowledge just sort of taps out um, pretty much at the end of that list. Mm. Um, and I was, I looked it up on Wikipedia and they had not just under like gay icons, they had um, listed daikons. 
daikon. Yes, wow. daikons, so not like the, the radish. radish. <laughs> not the radish. Not to be confused with the very delicious radish that lends itself to so many dishes. It's so mild. <laughs> it's just so mild. It adds some crunch. Yeah, I, I love it. Anyway, that's a whole nother show. But um, apparently, Marlon Brando and James Dean are considered classic daikons because of the look that they. Yeah, I would say stylistically, yeah. they right. are definitely daikons. Yeah. I haven't thought about it. <laughs> I definitely it. see some daikons inspired by Jimmy Dean, etc. Up into club nowadays. Did they have a relationship, the two of them? Mm, not back that in I, the day. Did they? I don't know. No, Actually, there was. Like there's that. a whole um, YouTube video of Marlon Brando and who's the salad dressing guy? Paul Newman. <laughs> <laughs> Paul salad dressing. Oh, beautiful yeah. Paul Newman. All the yes. proceeds beautiful. go to charity. So it's really back good. when he yeah. was really beautiful, and they were doing like a casting thing and a, a, what is it called? A screen test together, mm. and they just had like so much chemistry, and they were forcing them to like stand close together in their like you know bonds, chessy bonds, singlets, and like look at each other and like deliver these lines, and it's very, it is. Very, there's a lot of tension. So I mean, I understand why. Mm. Sounds. Erotic. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, because there was those rumours that they had a threesome with Eartha Kitt. Was it those two or was it James Dean? James Dean, Eartha Kitt, and I think Paul Newman. Is that right? Wow. Well, I'm not sure. That is a dynamo combination, yeah. i got to say. <laughs> yeah, so that's funny. I hadn't thought of Marlon Brando and James Dean as being daikons, even though I only just heard of the word daikon, but now <laughs> I just want to so pepper big. it into every single it's such a conversation. Great, it's a great Who else was on the list? Um, yeah, they had a lot of those classic old ones. Interestingly, they had a historical one, Saint Sebastian. You know that, like, oh, sexy the, saint? Yeah, with the, the arrows and the, yeah. the piercing arrows. Exactly, and he's always, like, almost naked or naked. Okay. And, like, very hot in, like, whoa, 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 every And, like, a falling loincloth. Okay, you guys, okay, stop Sorry. talking. Yeah, about who is Saint that. Sebastian? Before we go into how he's a incredibly martyr, saint. Yeah, he's a martyr. He was he martyred for his Christianity, I assume. I don't know much more about him other than that he's very hot in, like, every painting that's done of him. Oh, really? Yeah. He was very popular for a little while there. There was a window where he was just like the saint to paint and just like... <laughs> <laughs> and he was Look just, out. Yeah. <laughs> and in like, I think I once saw um, like an analysis of these paintings and they had done like over time how he just gets more and more ripped and less and less clothed in each of these like martyrdom scenes. Wow. Yeah, it yeah. is kind of strange to like sexualize that event although yeah. it's, it has all these like it's very sort of penetrating yeah, by several arrows. several arrows oh. yeah so i guess like there's that <laughs> suffering that we oh were my. talking about yeah, yeah. I guess. and i mean we were listening to that podcast this morning where someone quoted that john waters thing where he was like it was so much more fun when not that you know when we were in the closet but when it was a subculture and like now everything's very out and it's you know very celebrated and there's the gay stream and all that kind of thing um, but it was more interesting when the art that came out of it came from like not a place of suffering necessarily, but because it was it was separate and it was a subculture. And I think that I guess those old world icons really represent that they have that suffering and they have that like mm. they have you know all the celebrity and they have the fame, but then they have like this dark like other life or, or something else that's going on. Mm. Whereas I guess now like now people like Miley Cyrus, what a queer icon. And I'm like, all right, yeah, okay. I, I mean, Is she though? Is she? I would say someone more like Lana Del Rey. <laughs> is really? your personal queer icon? <laughs> Don't you think she's? But she's. But she invokes that old Hollywood tragedy. Yeah, you know, that's point. I think that's one of the reasons why uh, 
why she's so I'm like so amazing I'm like why she's so amazing <laughs> I, oh, no. I haven't heard of Miley Cyrus being a gay icon before. well she has a she has a charity what they do is unclear but they're called the Happy Hippie Foundation I think they're a, a LGBTI advocacy uh, charity and um, and she wears like giant dildos on stage and stuff now she also came out as queer and like that's right about yeah. it. Oh, where, also there's a great clip of her and Ariana Grande doing a cover of Don't Dream It's Over I think oh, um, together and then like Miley Cyrus misses a cue and they're just because they're sitting on a couch in like pajamas singing this together and Miley Cyrus misses a cue and just and Ariana Grande is like don't worry and Miley was like oh sorry I was like flirting I was too busy flirting I was flirting with you I'm so sorry like I I missed it because I was flirting all right let's go again because I was flirting with you and it's and Ariana Grande is like ha 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 <laughs> yeah. Oh, she's just being Miley. Oh god. <laughs> and it's so uncomfortable and great viewing and I highly recommend it. Okay. Got right. a real YouTube list for yeah, after yeah. the show. I think so. Yeah. I I mean, but yeah, like all the I think all the current icons are more like out and proud, you know, mm. Ellen Page, what a speech, etc. I mean, to each their own. But, you know, I feel like Well, I think that that's partially because we have moved away from thinking of queerness as a culture and thinking of it more as an identity. Um, mm. And so now, off, I think especially in America, there's this focus on queerness as being, a, or not even queerness, of gayness. Definitely, I wouldn't say not radical queerness and not queerness in the uh, traditional sense of the traditional, <laughs> in the radical sense of the word. But this idea of gay identity being a political identity and being a site of political struggle. And so people look at queerness as like a civil rights issue, um, which is so... <laughs> language warning fucking boring yeah. like it's just and and you know so like good for you you came out have a glad award or whatever but it's very boring ellen page is very uncharismatic she is right i keep wanting her to be charismatic and she is just not i'm definitely not seeing that new one even though it's got julianne moore free held oh. yeah sorry what is it called free held have you heard about it i saw the trailer um, so it's about... Is it uh, an intergenerational relationship? It's an intergenerational relationship. So much it's, like Carol, I guess. <gasps> much like Carol Sorry coming to theatre soon. I'm getting a point. Um, <laughs> we're going to go see yeah, Carol okay, together. Right. <laughs> I'm just like, I have no idea what's happening. I'm like sitting here with the other listeners. <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right. We'll let you all in from okay. the cold. Freeheld is a movie that's come out um, about... Uh, which is a retelling of a true story of an um, older woman who is a policewoman and her younger uh, lesbian partner. And when the older woman finds out that she has a terminal illness and doesn't have long to live, she tries to get her police pension benefits um, willed to her younger partner. But there are a lot of institutional bureaucratic problems lying in their way. And um, it is apparently an incredibly dull movie. <laughs> Is anyone shocked? Uh, yeah. Well, I mean, it's not um, Julianne Moore's first foray into queer characters in, no. That's in true. cinema. Um, what was, we forget. Wh- what are the we forgetting? The kids are all right. That's it. Oh, that's right. The kids are all right. Let's not talk about it. I don't want to talk <laughs> about it. Speaking of whitewashing and middle class problems. <laughs> oof, and... oof, oof, oof. Yeah. I'm no. sorry I brought it up. No. Yeah. So Julianne Moore, not a queer icon. <laughs> not for lesbians anyway. No. I mean, she's no Kristen Stewart, is what I want to say. Oh, you know? my gosh. 
Kristen Stewart. <laughs> and she's incredible. Also an uncharismatic woman. No, how dare you? Okay, all right, look. Look, that's fine. That's just... <laughs> okay, what's the next next topic? Let's move on to yeah, the next. Like, next topic. No, but I mean, I think that a lot of icons, uh, old world and new world, a lot of them are about lending themselves to drag as well. So if you're... If you have the costume, oh, that's and if you have true. The songs, actually, and if you have a diva personality, and if you've got more going on, so like you know, you know, Beyonce, I would say is like a big icon in mm. like you know the gay community or whatever because she's got all that. Yeah, and I think people um, often they're women who show strength through hyperfemininity. I think that that's really an important point because I I think in the same way that actually a lot of uh, queer women uh, are really into like gay male subculture and really into like consuming like slash fan fiction or like gay male erotica I my theory for that is that um, it's showing an alternative form of masculinity that can be like erotic and romantic I think in the same way a lot of these women are really lauded by the gay male community because they're showing a form of femininity that is associated with strength and charisma whereas a lot of gay men have unfortunately experienced being persecuted for having qualities that are considered feminine Mm. yeah definitely oh I love it speaking of queer icons you guys (laughs) I saw Hugh Jackman's Arena Spectacular, Broadway to Oz. Or maybe it was Oz to Broadway. We wanted to go so badly. Yeah, just... I can't believe I missed that. I know, oh, I know, you guys. Yeah. It's okay, though. I went so that the rest of us didn't have to. Okay, give us I went a with my mum and dad. <laughs> so Hugh Jackman, if you don't know, listening audience, uh, is currently in Australia doing a, a one-man show. Um, a spectacular. Oh, the, a spectacular. It's not a show. <laughs> <laughs> it's a spectacular at Rod Laver Arena. It's an and arena. And so spectacular. on Tuesday night God. this week, I attended uh, Hugh Jackman's show at Rod Laver Arena. And I thought it would be fun because the last time I saw Hugh Jackman was when he was playing queer icon Peter Allen. Um, and I was like, great. I loved this show. I loved The Boy from Oz. Let's go see this with Ma and Pa Richardson. And it was the worst. <laughs> The worst. No, really? It was so <laughs> Okay, 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 you guys. Yeah. Okay, but the boyfriend was pretty good. And sure. I like musical theatre. Yeah. And I was like, sure, I'll go see a, a bunch of medleys. Who doesn't like medleys? Me anymore, because Hugh Jackman <laughs> ruined them. What was the format of the show? What did he do? Okay, so he um, sings songs, Broadway songs, um, sometimes in medley form, sometimes just a song by themselves, while like a um, PowerPoint presentation made by like a 17-year-old nephew of somebody on the crew plays on the big screen in the background <laughs> and then intersperses them with anecdotes. And the common thread to all the anecdotes that he, he um, talks about are life-changing phone calls in his life, which are, of all, of course, from, like, famous movie producers asking him mm. if he wants to do this incredible movie that has, like, raised his pay scale by another $13 million a year. Like, <laughs> oh, it relatable. <laughs> the most terrible thing. Highlights include... Oh, okay, a genuine highlight included him um, being hoisted across, like, the ceiling in, like, a giant sequin jacket and he looked like a disco ball. Okay, but that yeah, was in the Peter highlight. Allen segment um but another highlight included him saying to the audience you know i'm known to be an action star but really i'm a lover not a fighter and then singing a love song while there was 
a montage of clips from movies he's been in where he and a woman look at each other flirtatiously, i.e. from Kate and Leopold, from Swordfish, <laughs> from X-Men. Australia. Australia. Oh, yeah. Sure. All yeah. terrible. And mm. the most harrowing part of this entire show was his dedication of love to his wife, Deborah Lee Furness, uh, where he um, sings L is for the way you look at me. I don't know what the song's called. Oh, God. And so he sings that. Four letters, yeah. but still too long. Yeah, it's so long. <laughs> he sings it while there's a slideshow of pictures of Deborah Lee Furness on all of the screens in the stadium. From her, her from baby <laughs> to now. <laughs> wow. It was, was like... The most harrowing portrait of a homosexual on the edge I've ever seen in my life. This is what I'm saying. It just feels too obvious to be like, that feels like overcompensating, like, on a huge scale, on a Rod Laver Arena scale. You know what I mean? But what's that theory that, like, the most obvious solution is probably the right solution? Well, I have never heard that one before, but, like, I believe it. I mean, it's a path of least resistance. Yeah. It's just, like... It was like a desperate cry for help that would have cost millions of dollars and it was such a bummer to watch. How is it received <laughs> by no the audience, may I ask? Okay, so the audience was predominantly women over the 50s, white women in their 50s and over, and they loved it. <laughs> they loved it. They loved it. And I thought I was under the misguided notion that Hugh Jackman was a queer icon, maybe because I had seen The Boy from Oz last, and he was, was also in Sunset Boulevard. And has done a lot of musical theatre. So I thought he was like a mm. queer guy icon. I've seen him take off his shirt in like a couple of movies at least. Like, <laughs> yeah. come on. And um, squeeze bullets yeah, on his yeah. chest. <laughs> and, and so I expected to see a lot of like gay guys there. To my knowledge, zero gay guys in the entire Rod Laver arena. All white older women. Yeah, and I'm they... not surprised by that. You're not? No, I, I'm not. What I'm out of think? touch. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Because, I mean, I... Just to pander to another stereotype, the gays are known for their good taste. Uh, so, <laughs> yeah. anyway. Yeah. <laughs> okay. yeah. um, I hope taken. he's not listening. I mean, oh, but we're happy to have you in the studio anytime. <laughs> you call us. <laughs> you just get, we could make that life changing phone call. Just like, <laughs> yeah, the next life changing phone call would come from us. Yeah, being like, come out live on Queering the Air. <gasps> that would be such a scoop, though. All right, all right. Is it cruel, <laughs> do you think? Well, that's another thing that um, a lot of a lot of queer icons are people who are suspected to be queer. That's true. But in the closet. Is it is it cruel to, to suggest that someone could be queer? I don't think it's an insult. No. I mean, exactly. No, exactly. I don't think it's an insult, but I think, you know, people do things in their own time, you know? That's true. All right, take your time here. Well, I didn't mean it like that. I just meant, you know... <laughs> We're all here waiting for you. <laughs> Step into the light. <laughs> yeah, well, look, uh, I think that there's there's joy to be found in speculation as well. That's true. Everybody needs a little thrill. Yeah, and I mean, as you say, like, especially as it becomes less and less of a subculture and less of a community, I think that, like, um, yeah, I mean, I understand that previously maybe it was more about, like, visibility. There are no, like, out queer people. Now there are, but it's... Sometimes it's just, I don't know, it's kind of like creating your own community again amongst, do you know what I mean? Maybe this is just how I feel about it when I'm I not sure I do know sit around mean. being like, <laughs> definitely, he's, he's definitely gay. Mm, I, one thing that did strike me was that I, I often have found like trying to pick queer coding in films very satisfying, as I think maybe all of us have. Yeah. Been like, definitely gay. That's definitely a gay thing. What they're saying is that character's gay. 
i.e. Nikki watching Maleficent. <laughs> yeah, that was yeah, that was a very gay movie. But this seemed like very clear gay coding to me and it made me so uncomfortable and so sad. I left so sad. I'm sorry to hear about that. Yeah, a, Thanks for your but condolences, I mean, guys. Did yeah. Ma and Pa Richardson have a good time, though? Uh, Dad made a really big show of hating it, but Mum could not get enough. So much so that uh, uh, my niece was born on the same day, and in the group thread on WhatsApp, my mum wanted to text where I <laughs> Jackman. <laughs> and I said, absolutely not. That's very different On par. On par. They're about on yeah. par, right? Congratulations. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Let's go to a break, and when we come back, we can discuss more queer icons. Bisexual Alliance is a non-profit organisation dedicated to raising awareness and supporting people who are bisexual, people who are multi-gender attracted, their partners and their families. Bisexual Alliance runs several monthly discussion groups in and outside of Melbourne to offer support, a safe space to chat about your experiences and to explore others' experience of multi-gender attraction. These groups are for bisexuals, those who are questioning and their loved ones. For more information, visit bi-alliance.org or email Info at by-alliance.org. Violence can destroy families. I decided one day that I could not stand having my children witnessing more of the physical, verbal and emotional abuse. While I was facing issues of family violence, I heard about a service available to assist people in my situation called InTouch. I called InTouch and spoke with someone in my language. InTouch gave me the support I needed. Thanks to the people at InTouch, I've been able to rebuild a better life for my family. If you need advice, contact InTouch for a free and confidential discussion in your language by calling 1-800-755-988 or search InTouch Multicultural Centre online. InTouch. Brought to you by Victorian Women Lawyers and funded by Victoria Law Foundation. Slavery is back. Welcome to a place where private business profit from a captive labour force Yet pennies are spent on medical services to a population in which the Indigenous, the poor and the mentally ill are overrepresented. Where isolation, humiliation and degradation are facts of life. Welcome to prison. It depends who's telling the story, I suppose. The prisoners would have one view. The people who work in the prison system would have another. And I think it's up to people to decide uh, where the truth is. Give government propaganda and the media spin doctors the flick. And check out Doin' Time for news, views and tunes on prison issues from Guantanamo Bay to Christmas Island to prisons and detention centres everywhere. Every Monday at 4pm on your community radio 3CR. We are still fired up and we're still talking about revolution. Is something worrying you? Need someone to talk to? Having trouble at work or at home? Call WIRE Women's Information on 1300 134 130, Monday to Friday, 9am to 5pm. Talk to a woman who cares. It's free and confidential Victoria-wide. You can talk to us about anything. You can also talk to us in your own language through our telephone interpreter service. So call WIRE on 1300 134 130 or visit wire.org.au. WIRE is a 3CR supporter. 
Hey, and welcome back to Queering the Air on 3CR. Uh, you're listening on 855 AM or 3cr.org.au. Uh, we just heard La Tigra with Hot Topic, and I'm in the studio with Nikki and Luke. Hey, Hello. hey, hey. Oh. oh. <laughs> um, one of the reasons we listen to Hot Topic from La Tigra, which is one of my favourite La Tigra songs, is that it lists a lot of amazing uh, feminist icons, some of whom are queer, some of whom are artists, um, activists. Yoko Ono is given a shout-out in there, and I personally love Yoko, except for that one song that she did with John Lennon where they say the N-word over and over again. Oh, oh yeah. I know the song, the woman is the N-word of the world, and they did an interview about it. I think that someone, I want to say that a recent artist has lifted that for a video clip. Oh, lifted it. Well, I don't know about lifting it, but Björk referenced that as well and said this and and rephrased the same (laughs) sentiment. And that was a real example of a true icon of mine falling slightly Mm. in my regard. Yeah, it's always disappointing when it happens. And I mean, I guess people are just people and they're going to stuff up. And it's, you know, I think the disappointing thing nowadays I find is that I understand if you say something that's like hugely problematic or whatever. But if you have people draw it to your attention and you've legitimately done wrong, just graciously say, I am so sorry. I'm now aware of how offensive that was, Mm. you know, and I'm going to do the work. Yeah, Yeah, I'm really sorry for putting that out there. But everyone's always very defensive or, like, into being like, oh, this is what I really meant, or... Yeah, like, you misinterpreted me. Mm. You misinterpreted me. Yeah, like, or I'm sorry that everyone feels this way. Yeah. But, like, yeah. I know who I am, and I'm not a bigot, you know? Yeah. It's disappointing. It is really disappointing. I mean, and I think that there are some pretty problematic uh, queer icons out there, and feminist icons. Definitely. As well. I mean, the first one that comes to mind for me is... Jermaine Greer and that's a real bummer because I think that a lot of and I think it's a real problem um it's a real pity in um in uh feminist history that uh, a lot of a lot of people who made a lot of uh significant progress and contributed a lot uh to public perception of feminism uh, people who have radical feminist ideals and have really essentialist views of what it is to be a woman and um Jermaine Greer in particular is quite notoriously transphobic and quite notoriously uh, rejects uh, trans women as being part of her idea of the category of woman, and that is such a bummer to me. Because yeah. Yeah. and and I think it's it's a bummer twofold. It's one, it's just disappointment in a person themselves, but also disappointment uh, that a lot of people will disregard a lot of significant work she's done or significant things that she's said um, or ideas that she's had because of that. And fair, mm. and I'm. I sometimes I want to say fair enough, and then on the other hand, I want to say like, you know, there's a separation between someone's work and their person, and feminism should be about ideas, not about people. So definitely, we should be able to engage with those ideas without writing off. Um, I mean, and, and write off the person if we want to. Yeah, it is such a bummer, though. I know what you mean, and there has been like just recently. It feels like there's been a lot of really transphobic stuff coming out of like feminist discourse, especially in relation to well, not so much Laverne Cox, who is truly like everyone just can't get enough of her. Oh, she's beautiful. Yeah, yeah. but Caitlyn Jenner has copped so much mm. flack, um, and that's it's another incidence of just like Caitlyn Jenner is not someone that I would hold up as, you know, an icon or a political icon for myself. But but the 
the excuse for transphobia, like, you know, people can't separate their transphobia from being able to critique things that Caitlin says or mm. or things that she's done, which is really just disappointing. So That is disappointing. I remember um, listening to Ellen on Howard Stern um, and and they were talking about how uh, Caitlyn Jenner is a Republican and that she seemed, when she went on Ellen's show, uh, quite uncomfortable with the concept of gay marriage um, and said that she'd come around to it but that initially she found it a bit strange. Um, and Ellen said something to, along the lines of, um, you know, it's that's really bizarre that she of all people would have that opinion and we're all trying to understand her and support her but she hasn't done the same for us as if uh, like someone like Ellen DeGeneres has – is in an equal uh, power position as trans women. Like it seemed, mm. it seemed very like stupid and unself-aware thing to say. Yeah, and also part. just putting that on someone who like is going through their own like journey to mm. quote unquote or whatever you want to call it. But like to be like, oh, but you're also responsible for all of us as well. It's like you know people do things at their own pace, as we were just discussing. Um, if you're Call listening, us if you yeah. want to. Um, but, you know, definitely, like, people make mistakes and people aren't always going to be responsible for other people's feelings or, you know, ideas. And part of it is about making mistakes and becoming aware. And that's how you grow and learn as a person. But a lot of people double down and uh, really uh, don't make the effort to educate themselves mm. or to illuminate themselves. And I think one big and very disappointing example of that is Roseanne Barr. Ah, Roseanne, come on. Luke loves Roseanne. I love Roseanne. Big Roseanne fan. I watched the Roseanne show. I don't know much yeah, about her. Yeah, well, that's her. what we mean. That's what we mean. Okay. I, didn't watch, I didn't watch her talk show, though, so I don't know much about her as a oh, person. I haven't seen it. Either. I haven't seen it either. I've watched, like, one episode. Not that um, big a fan. Okay, but. so we're big fans of the Roseanne show. <laughs> okay, okay. We love Roseanne, the show, and Dan, and Jackie. 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 Oh, Jackie, our favourite character yeah, in Roseanne. Um, and for me, Roseanne Barr was a real icon in terms of... Um, especially in that era of 90s sitcoms, really heralding an image of a woman who was, like, working class and fat and a really strong, amazing role model at the same time and who made a lot of mistakes and, like, Roseanne, the character, was very flawed. Uh, Roseanne Barr, the person, extremely flawed, it turns out. She is a huge transphobe. (laughs) Okay, Yeah. yeah. Yeah, uh, and very active on social media about being a transphobe uh, and about issues like uh, trans women accessing uh, women's bathrooms and stuff like that. Um, <sighs> and and I don't know, Luke, is that something that puts you off Roseanne? Yeah, it does. It's not great to hear, is it? Mm. Will you when still you... watch the Roseanne show? I beg your pardon. Like, would you still go back and enjoy the TV show? Yeah, I think I would. Yeah, but I like what you were saying before, Jesse, about separating a person from their work Mm. and Mm. a lot of other people had work involved in that show it wasn't just her that's true so there is that I don't know if I'm excusing myself there I'm sure she did not write the script for each and every episode yeah she didn't know she had a team of yep Right. She had a team, so... She had a well, team. there we go. I'm supporting them. Yeah. Well. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I think that a lot of icons nowadays, I just get disappointed, sometimes even if they aren't, like, overtly offensive, but just that they're the ones that are given so much media space. And, of course, they are. But, you know, like, hot girl feminism, like, just, like, Caitlyn Stacey and Hermione and just, like, girls oh, who are, like, thin and white and hot and they're, like, I'm reclaiming my body and it's radical. And it's, like, well, is it because your body is the Western beauty? 
beauty ideal that we're all supposed to be subscribing to. And I'm sick of hearing about how you're effing radical and like how you're queer and like not like you're privileged and beautiful. And I'm just I just really it makes me really sad that these are the people that people when people want to go to in like, you know, Huffington Post or whatever, like some crappy article, they're like feminist or like feminist icon. They're like this hot celebrity. Yeah. Because she once said that she was a feminist. Well, I think it's people get a lot of credit for being like sexually attractive and fessing up to being a feminist and identifying as a feminist as a representation and sort of proving that feminism can be sexy and can be attractive. And it's like, yeah. Like, no shit. Yeah. And, like, that is, like, it's the lowest common denominator interpretation of activism ever. Yeah. Like, you can buy, like, sexy undies now that say feminist or, like, see-through singlets that say don't touch and stuff. And it's just, like, well, this consumerist thing that overlaps with feminism. Like, it's so boring. It's just so boring. And it's so done as well. It's so, like, Spice Girls yeah. era stuff. Oh, my God. Who, you know, I mean, as Queer a kid, I love the Spice Girls. <laughs> Ginger. Ah, I mean, Ginger. Oh, do you do you know, I remember when I was a kid reading an interview with the Spice Girls and they asked Ginger Spice, like, they asked all of them what the greatest invention was and, you know, Baby Spice said something like lollipops or whatever. Oh, <laughs> I remember. Yeah, I'm that sorry. Um, but I remember Jerry was like the ribbed condom. And what a pleasure. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, you know, 11 years old. <laughs> I was like, oh, <laughs> I love Ginger. Ginger was probably one of my first female crushes. Ginger and Xena. Xena. Really? Well, Xena makes sense. Yeah, Xena, yeah. 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 Okay, Ginger makes sense too. Uh, yeah. Okay, yeah. All right. <laughs> All right. I feel like, yeah. I think we should close out the show with one mm. last queer icon. But before we do that, I just have a couple of um, plugs. So um, there is going to be a flag-raising uh, event at the Indonesian Consulate at 72 Queens Road on Tuesday, December 1st. So um, at 10 a.m. there's going to be a flag-raising event for the Honai Embassy uh, with food, film, and music and workshops um, in solidarity with the people of West Papua. And on December 10th, uh, there's going to be an International Human Rights Film Night at 6pm at the Trades Hall. Uh, so come along to both of those cool. events. Yeah. Mark them in the diary. Get come amongst in it. In pen. Yeah. In pen. Oh, wow. <laughs> I'm a commitment, a commitment yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's, I've got that pacer always oh. at the ready. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> Thank you very much for joining us, Lee. Oh, it's yes. been great. Thanks for having me. Our pleasure. And so uh, stay tuned next for Democracy Now! And we're going to head off with uh, WTF, the new song from queer icon Missy Elliott. Thanks. See you guys next time. Bye-bye. You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.